Hello friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hi friends, thanks for coming back and joining us for the Bible study. We're in Romans 8, as most of you know, and we ended last episode talking about our future. And that's a good thing to talk about if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior for a couple of reasons. Number one, your future is sure. You can just bank on what God has told you. Number two, your future is great. And the Bible says we wait for the earnest expectation of the creature awaiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, that we will get to see what we will become, all of what God has planned for us to become in Christ. That is really, really good. Verse number 20 today, Romans chapter 8, verse number 20, where that theme continues, and the Apostle Paul says, for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. So creature here is a reference to creation itself that one day, and by the way, and the past verse really, that's the larger context too, that the apostle Paul is bringing in all of the fallen world into view. So think of this, when Adam sinned, made that choice to violate the command of God and, and in so doing really condemned the entire human race as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men in that for that all have sinned. So we're sinners both by DNA and by the act the acts that we've committed. So The point here is that when sin took place, this world fell. Creation fell. Not just Adam, but creation itself fell. So this world in that sense is under the curse. A thing, there's death and there's violence in the animal kingdom, in in the world itself. There is destruction. And so there's a sense in which the world is waiting for Now, I don't think in a conscious sense, but the personification is used here in Romans 8 for that Edenic environment that God intended, that perfect world, that perfect relationship that animals would have even with other animals. That's why when you read about the promise of the millennial kingdom and our eternal future, we read about things like the lion laying down with the lamb and a harmony in this world, uh, not just ecologically, but also in the, the animal kingdom itself. And so the creature, see that verse number 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity. Uh, w- there was great loss because of sin, not willingly, not because of what the world did or because of what the animals did, but because of what Adam decided. Uh, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. So God brought this curse. God brought this curse upon all of the created order. But the point is, 
he one day will make it all new because of Christ. So Christ brings salvation, not just to human beings, but to all of creation. What a concept that is. Look at verse number 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. So there, there will be, there was creation and then the fall, creation and then corruption. That'd be a good way to understand it. Creation, then corruption, but then there is going to be re-creation. There's going to be a time when God makes all things new. If you think about the Bible in terms of the 50,000-foot view of the Bible, you think about creation, that perfect world that God made, chapters one and two, You think about the fall of man, that's chapter number three, and then you think about the grand story of the Bible. The the lion's share of the Bible is God's redemptive plan, God's plan to rescue the world, especially his the apex of his creation, human beings. That's the redemptive plan of God. That's, That's essentially the story of the Bible. And then At the end of the Bible, Revelation chapters 21 and 22, we have the consummation of all things or God's recreation, making all things new. So there it is, creation, the fall, God's redemptive plan, and then consummation or recreation. So here in verse number 20, the creature was not made, I'm sorry, verse number 21, the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the world, the inanimate world and the, the, the all that's in the world will enjoy the same freedom, liberation from sin and all of its corruption and decay and forever and forever will be the Edenic perfect environment that God always intended. I like what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the earth shall melt with fervent heat. And the Bible teaches that God will essentially destroy all that is now corrupted so that elementally he can remake it. That's why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 that heaven and earth uh, we're, 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 we're fled away. Uh, Jesus referenced that when he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. All of the created uh, world will pass away and God will make all things new. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. All things new. You're new. Uh, the world is new. The environment is new. It's all new. And we're waiting for that day in hope, in confident expectation. So this is cosmically bigger than we could ever even imagine to go outside at night and just look and understand that there aren't just billions of stars, there's billions of galaxies of stars. We can't even begin to fathom the the magnitude of God's creation, and yet all of it has been infected in corruption by sin, but God will make all things new. (laughs) Look at verse number uh, 22. For we know, here's something that as believers, we can be confident and we can rest assured of. For we know that the whole creation groaneth 
and travaileth in pain until now. So there's the personification of creation, of the created world that it longs for, like a a woman that is nine months pregnant and feels those labor pains and just wants to have that baby. So we live in a world that longs for and groans for that time when this corrupted season will be over and that God will have done his work of making all things new. Verse number 23, and not only they, not just creation, the created order, but not only they, but ourselves also. So now the Apostle Paul brings it right back down to a personal level, talking about you and in your body, which by the way, your body is part of that creation, isn't it? A God is not just your savior, he's your creator, and you still lug around that body that is not saved yet, your body, and still struggles and still deals with decay. That's why you're not getting stronger, you're getting weaker. That's why you're not getting, uh, your skin is not getting tighter, it's getting wrinklier, right? Uh, That's why you're you're not getting uh, younger, you're getting older. Why? Because we are part of this cursed creation. And the Bible says, and not only so, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. So what, what are first fruits in the Bible? First fruits is an agricultural term. And what that means is that in any harvest, whether that be the, the wheat harvest or the barley harvest or whatever harvest, the, 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 the grain ripens at different times. So if you're going to harvest the grain at its ripeness, you're going to have to harvest some grain earlier than the main harvest because it's ripe earlier. So first fruits refer to the very first harvest of grain. So here we have the first fruits of the Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit the sum total of our salvation? No. Paul taught the Ephesian believers He's just the down payment. I just want to, I want you to know that you are saved and that every promise I've ever given to you, I will complete. That's what that that's what God tells us in his word. And as a indication of that, here's my earnest money. Here's my earnest. I'm gonna buy the house. Okay, here's my $2,000. I'm going to make a down payment. Here's the down payment. I'm going to pay the whole mortgage. Don't worry about that. You can check my credit score, but this is the down payment. That shows you that I am going to do this. That's what God does when you got saved by giving you the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to do this. He that began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit, he's the first fruits. There's a big harvest coming. There is so much more to see. The best is yet to come. Verse number 23, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Have you ever just groaned to say, Lord, I just, I'm tired of dealing with sin. I'm tired of this battle. I'm tired, maybe just physically tired. Lord, take me home. We've uh, laid to rest some very special people here recently at our church and dealing with sickness and cancer and terminal illness. And you know, I think we get tired of this old life and, and fighting this battle. And, but the, the truth is that the, the greatest part of our salvation 
or the, the culminating part, maybe I should say, of our salvation is still future for us. And the Bible says that we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Remember, we talked about this. So in one sense, when you trusted Christ as Savior, you are adopted. As far as your status, you are the child of God. You have all the rights and privileges there too. Okay, but there is a sense in which you will be adopted. You will receive the adoption, the finality of it. And, and that will be the redemption of your body. That your, your weak, decaying body, still a part of this first creation that is not getting better, it's getting worse, but one day God will refit, retool, remake your body, and it'll be just like the glorified body of Jesus, and you'll live forever and forever and forever in that body. You'll be recognizable in heaven by loved ones and by everyone. I mean, think of that. What a what a truth to look forward to. So we groan for that. We long for that. Verse number 24, for we are saved by hope. Yeah, you are saved. And by the way, we're being saved because we live by faith, hope. That's another way to say a confident expectation. We trust in what God has told us. We don't see it yet. We don't see it yet, but we are confident nonetheless because of what God said and because of the immaterial evidence of the Spirit of God in our life that we know and can feel and He leads us and we're sure of. So the Bible says here in verse number 24, we're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. No, seeing something and then having faith in the promise of God that is true, they're mutually exclusive. Faith is not sight, hope is not sight, but but we but it's real. So the Bible says, for that which is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, that we see not. But if we have this confidence that one day we will have a perfect body and we will see the redemption of that body and we will receive that adoption and we will live forever with Christ in a brand new place, in a whole new world. If we believe that, if we hope for that, we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And the point here is, how do Christians endure? That's what patience means here. How do we persevere? We persevere by what we believe, that we believe these things to be true. I know it's painful today. We believe these things to be true. I know you feel rejected today. We believe these things to be true. And so it is our faith, it is our confident expectation, our hope that sustains us. And one day, faith and hope will go away because it, they'll give way to sight. And then charity, love, the love of God forever remains. That's why Paul made that distinction among faith, hope, and love in 1 Corinthians 13. Wow, so much to say. We're out of time. I'm gonna quit right there. We'll come back to verse number 26. A great, great promise for you in prayer. We'll talk about that next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.